0: grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning is a Gospel lesson. Whenever I call my phone company, the automated voice asks me to enter my phone number. Then, after a few yeses and noes, I get to speak to a human voice. Often, getting to that human voice doesn't happen quickly. And when I finally get through, the first thing the person announces is his or her name. The next thing they ask is my phone number. And I think, didn't I just enter it? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, let's flip this a little bit. What is the first thing we do when the agents announce their names? We promptly forget. We just want our issues resolved. As humans, we forget things all the time. But the things we forget most are the things that have a low priority on our list. If we want to remember, then we need to have it repeated for us sometimes again and again and again. But that does not appear to be the case at all for the Jews, John's favorite term for the religious leaders who opposed Jesus. They did not ask Jesus to tell them plainly if he was the Christ in order to remember his identity and believe in him. It was all part of their gathering of evidence to make up the charge sheet against Jesus. Jesus knew. Nevertheless, he obliged them with a clear answer. I did tell you, but you do not believe. Without a doubt, Jesus had been clear enough at some point about his identity to this group of opponents. That is why he replied, I did tell you. And the people never denied that he told them. John reports that this particular incident took place on the Feast of Dedication. And it is intriguing why they chose that occasion to ask him. I think it was the nature of the feast they were celebrating. After all, Judas the Hammer, through his guerrilla warfare tactics, had fought for liberation. And for a while, they were free to worship as they desired. But that freedom was not to last. Now, at the time of Jesus, the Romans were the new oppressors. So if Jesus claimed to be the Christ, then he had better be like the hammer, the fighter, not this humble guy with a few followers, fishermen, tax collectors, and sinners. Instead of arming to fight, he was being nice and weak, so weak in fact that they themselves could easily surround him in the temple and ask him to tell them plainly if he was the Christ. Words are easy to say. People can claim to be somebody important, but whatever they say of themselves, they have to be able to prove it in order to be believed. There is a free book I ordered over the internet. It is titled, 2008 God's Final Witness. It was written by Ronald Wineland and published in 2006 by The End.com. The author claims, that he is one of the two witnesses in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 11, who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Those two witnesses are also referred to in Revelation chapter 11. He gives a prophecy and states that if his prophecy does not happen, then he should be regarded as a false prophet. Here is just one of the many claims he makes. When this book is published at the end of summer of 2006, there will be a maximum of two years remaining before the world will be plunged into the worst time of human history. Looking back at the last couple of years, he seems to have seen something coming. The very next paragraph he writes, by the fall of 2008, the United States would have collapsed as a world power, or it would have begun its collapse And no longer exist as an independent nation within six months after that time. The last time I checked, the United States is still an independent nation. Empty words, this final witness of God has written. By his own criterion, he is a false prophet. His words are empty, but the words of Jesus are not empty. He never made one false statement. He is the Christ with a lot of action to back him up. These Jews who opposed him had not just dropped into town without knowing what was going on. They were fully aware. In the Gospel of John, by this time, Jesus had turned the water into wine, had fed the five thousand, had walked on water, and had healed the man born blind. The healing of the blind man in particular had caused so much controversy and fear in Jerusalem that the man's parents refused to say how he got his side back or who did it. They were afraid because the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. When the blind man himself insisted that if Jesus were not from God he could do nothing, they said to him, You were born in other sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. In spite of the possibility of being charged with blasphemy, Jesus said to the investigative panel, The works I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. He spoke with the authority that only God has. As far as Jesus is concerned, there are two kinds of people, those who hear his voice and believe, and those who hear his voice and scoff at it. The first group are his sheep, the latter group are not. This kind of speaking irritates people, sometimes even Christians, because we think there must always be a middle way. It is particularly true today. We live in a time when all religions are said to be created equal. We are told that it is better to keep our exclusive claim about Jesus to ourselves so that we can all get along. And as peaceful people we would like to do just that. Has it ever occurred to you that even those of different faiths who say it doesn't matter what religion you follow, still desire that you follow their religion. Buddhists want you to be Buddhists. Hindus want you to be Hindus. Muslims want you to be Muslims. Those who say all religions are equal are not sincere. Jesus makes the exclusive claim that he alone gives eternal life. He asserts that no one can snatch those who hear and believe in him out of his hand. Some might think that he suffered from some grandiose illusions, but the things he did had been prophesied about him. Of the so-called saviors on par with Jesus, none of them died for anybody. They died all right, but they died for themselves. None of them ever rose again from the dead, ever. Only Jesus did. And none of them ever had the courage to say that they were the Savior of the world because indeed they were not. None of them was able to say, my sheep listen to my voice. But Jesus did because he alone is a Savior. Jesus said, I give eternal life to my sheep. Certainly, this eternal life It's not going to be like the life we know now, full of pain and illness and frustrations. It is not going to be a life filled with fear that somebody might show up unnoticed and blow people up. It is not going to be a life filled with uncertainty about the future because it is a future made certain. Jesus accomplished what he set out to do because he and the Father are in it together. They are of one mind, have one goal, have one intention to save the sheep who hear and who by his grace believe. More and more, people say Christians are part of the problems of this world because they are intolerant of other views. This points to the possibility that we might be wrong about Jesus. If listening to the voice of Jesus is a reason people call you intolerant, then here is my encouragement to you. Keep listening to him, for he says, My sheep listen to my voice. People challenge him directly, and people may challenge you directly, but do not be shaken. The one whose voice you listen to is the one who gives eternal life. He has promised that no one can snatch you out of his hand. Jesus makes no empty promises. In word and sacrament, he repeats his promises so we can remember. What he says, he does. He does it for you. Amen. And on the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.